Hey, welcome to episode 94 of the Thodcast, conversations about animation. We melt things down to their essence on this show, such as today's subject, the uh, film, new film from Pixar. It's called Turning Red, and here helping me break down some Turning Red is, uh, well, first off, long time member of the Thodcast, Jody Pulaski. How are you doing, Jody? I am doing well. Since the last time we recorded, I got married and you guys were both there. So this is my first time recording as like a married lady. And I'm very excited to see if I've grown and matured in this capacity because of that life change. Um, but I'm super excited to talk about this movie because it's been a little controversial in our circle of uh, the princess world, animated world. Um, but Turning Red, I really liked it. I'm excited to hear what you guys think about it, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also joining us, well, we once again welcome Alex D to the podcast. How are you doing, Alex? I'm so good. I love doing this. I told all my friends um, today, like, can't can't hang, got a podcast. Um, and by all my friends, I just mean my neighbor who I watched this movie with um recently so but uh i do have uh, a lot to say about it and the children's opinions of it so awesome well thank you for joining you bring such life to these shows so always great to have you um yeah we're sort of beginning a, a new season of the thoughtcast if you will uh to take a, a bit of a break but we got uh, the wedding over with and heading into spring so now is a good time to sort of pick things back up i feel and we've got a lot to catch up on too so oscar weekend weekend we're a week we're recording this and uh so there, there's some things that we want to check out in the realm of animation and uh major motion pictures uh this being a film released directly to disney plus turning red um and is, is directed by domi shi director of Bow, the short film from Pixar, uh, that movie, that little short film preceded, um, was it Onward? No, no, no. I think Raya. Okay. I don't think Raya because I don't remember watching Bow. It's, it was uh, 2018. I think uh Probably Incredibles 2, which I believe was also 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, why does that only feel like last year? Yeah, tw uh, 2018. That was that was very recent. So, yeah, Bow, I believe, debuted in theaters alongside uh, Incredibles 2, and she's been with the studio Domi Shi. Uh, she she is basically the author. Or uh, you know the the main character Mei Lin in Turning Red is the author analog of Domi Shi, uh, who also happens to be from Canada, I believe. Uh, she was born in uh, China, and uh, I think uh, grew up in Canada, similar to Mei Lin. Um, oh yeah, moved to Canada at age two, graduated from Sheridan College in 2011, I guess. Uh, first women, first woman to direct a Pixar short film, um, which I think is is going to be important as we talk about the progression of the film. Yeah, <laughs> that, I that that uh, that 
little tidbit of information of her being like the first woman to do to do this is going to it made sense to me as I watched this movie so compared to others on Disney plus and I think most of us had a chance to sort of check it out on Disney plus they have a little extra feature on there called like embracing the panda Mm -hmm. and I picked up some tidbits from that that I thought were super cool because not only was she the director but it was primarily an all-female lead team when it came to this movie and I feel like as a woman like I could kind of feel that vibe coming through in little ways and in big obvious ways um with turning red and I think like obviously it's exciting to see these things starting to happen in our generation more and more almost to the point where like there's going to come a time where it's going to be the norm you know to have a bunch of female directors so that's exciting I hope so (laughs) oh yeah Yes, it's a a very innovative film, I would say, uh, in its cultural representation, its depiction of very real life issues that are are highly relatable. And and this movie has made a significant splash culturally. Uh, Perhaps some people say would, uh, despite the fact that it, it didn't go into theaters, that's sometimes seen as a disadvantage for movies uh, released in the modern age which a, a very significant number of them now uh you know no longer go to theaters when they otherwise would have and and that's sometimes seen mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. yeah a, a lesser distinction when uh, it almost like a direct-to-video sort of presentation although you know that that's certainly not the case with uh, just the increased um you know provenance of streaming as a major distribution platform and sort of the decline of theaters plus we had covid that sort of put a a major damper on the the film going experience in cinemas um so yeah did this movie feel any lesser than like a a disney animated feature or pixar feature from previous years so i think oh no you can talk go ahead well i was just gonna say i think in comparison to things like Toy Story or Finding Nemo, and maybe it's only because I've watched it once, like to me, it doesn't feel like an instant classic. Like I didn't feel all the warm and fuzzy feelings that I typically find in a Pixar. They really have elongated emotional moments and they typically have like songs and soundtracks that I connect with, like You've Got a Friend in Me or whatever. But I do think because of COVID, watching it on the smaller screen for the first time, didn't create a disconnect for me as far as like the quality. Like I definitely felt like I was watching a movie theater movie. Like I didn't feel like there was like a second rate straight to video VHS, well, <laughs> VHS, <laughs> DVD, whatever. <laughs> I'm dating myself we grew, here. Yeah. <laughs> we grew up in the nineties, which is perfect because this movie, you know, it's set kind of like in that time. Um, but but no, I mean, I thought it, it still came across as a high quality theater experience because we're getting acclimated to seeing new movies from home. Yeah, I don't like that. I like going to the movies. And I was shocked, honestly, because, okay, so I don't know. It was probably sometime last year or later in the year last year that Sean had sent me the trailer from the internet of this movie. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this looks so cute. And then when I saw Encanto in theaters, this 
uh, like was a trailer before mm-hmm. Encanto. So mm-hmm. I, I, I seriously, I think I was at the wedding when people were posting about turning red and mm-hmm. I was like, it's not in the theaters. It's just on Disney plus. Like I was truly shocked to find out that it did not go to theaters because I felt like this was kind of hyped up and that I thought it would go to the movies. And I, I personally just more so enjoy watching movies at the movie theater. Um, I don't have like the best attention span. So trying to watch something at home is like kind of hard, but I did it twice for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it on Sunday. Um, and then I, I, watched it again today before this just to refresh and I don't know if I'm gonna have anything super insightful to say except that I really liked it I really did I thought it was a really good movie Mm -hmm. I agree with Alex that when it comes to like the build-up for this movie I also saw trailers for it I saw like um little merchy type things at Disney promoting it when we were there a couple months ago um, in comparison to Raya, I feel like Disney and Pixar are stepping it up when it comes to promoting these movies without the help of theatrical trailers, because I felt like Raya kind of had a disservice when it came to like pre-movie promotion. I don't feel like there was really any buildup for it. Alex and I saw it together. We talked about it all together and it was, it was a really great movie, but Turning Red, at least I felt like there was some type of buildup and like Alex said, at the wedding, I was seeing people starting to post about it in my circles. And because there was an element of controversy, I feel like that really helped it get the name out there too. Um, but but I yeah, I agree with Alex a little bit on there. It's kind of deceptive to not release it in theaters when you're putting trailers in, in theaters, but um, also helps promote the film, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, it's, it's just nice to see that this has been getting a lot of buzz. Um, and uh, I don't know, on IMDb, I saw it was like the number two sort of on the, the hype meter, the star star meter for titles. Um, and uh, I, I think a lot of that is just due to the themes and messages. But also, um, I, I think there may be still be some places where you can see this in theaters. If nothing else, um, maybe some of the movie theater locations at Disney parks or, or around those parks, as well as um, the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. I know I, I've been to several screenings there, and I think I saw that they were hosting special screenings of Turning Red um, at that, that theater. But that's just one screen, you know, in a major uh, metro area that's kind of hard to get to um but yeah i mean uh boring discussion that you know the theatrical exhibition process uh but it's a relevant one because um i i love going to the movie theater when it's an event and uh i i don't want that experience to to go away um well it won't for for very you know high um highly anticipated films uh but you know i would hate to see struggling theaters just go under because um you know that it's just it becomes a less commonplace practice and then now we're seeing um added premiums being charged for 
movies that are in higher demand, like the Batman. Um, I think this also happened with Spider-Man. No Way Home, um, certain theater chains were charging more for those films. Um, and it kind of makes sense business-wise because there's just a higher demand, you know, supply and demand. But um, it just it kind of goes against the long-standing unwritten rule when it comes to film exhibition that uh, um, a ticket is a ticket. And uh, if you're going to get a discount, you know, maybe $5 tickets on Tuesdays or you know, cheaper matinee prices, then that, that's great. But discriminating based on, you know, the popularity of a film seems um, unfortunate. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with that too. Because now the only people who can see this movie are people who pay for Disney Plus, versus me thinking originally this was going to go into theaters and those you know, families who make a special trip out of going to the movies or, you know, like they don't get to see that. They don't get to see this movie now. And I'm just honestly, I'm a little surprised that this didn't go into theaters because I, I fully expected it to. And, and if anything, I'm surprised that it wasn't an upcharge to watch on Disney Mm -hmm. Plus. Yeah, and I think with a movie like this, where the theme is sort of about family and the elements of growing up and the roles your parents play, um, all of those things should be soaked in sort of as a family unit. Like, I feel like you get the most out of it watching a movie like this with your family, as opposed to maybe like just putting your child in front of the TV to watch it by themselves. Mm -hmm. I think this movie had a lot of lessons Um, that could sort of be talked about as a family. It's something that I would have benefited from watching with my mom when I was 12, 13, 14. And when it goes straight to Disney Plus, I mean, I hope parents are still making an effort to watch alongside their child because this one definitely was a springboard for so many conversations that you could start to bring up. In a way, I think the people who made this movie knew that their target audience was us like our age group is coming into the age where they're raising kids where they're starting to raise kids and I feel like by setting it in the 90s they wanted to connect with us specifically so that we kind of had some tools when Mm -hmm. our kids come to us with questions maybe tools that our parents didn't use (laughs) I mean I was kind of raised blindly when it came to puberty and growing up and big emotions I kind of just was Mm -hmm. winging it I had great parents but this movie would be a really good tool for families. I mean, especially mothers and daughters, but all families to sort of start talking about things. Yeah. Yeah. Mei Lin, definitely a child of the nineties as is uh, Domi Shi. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, all of us here um, at least had some experience in the nineties and uh, are familiar with that culture or, you know, that, <laughs> that, uh, that generation. Uh, but the movie is set in May 2002. Um, that's, uh, I guess, the the band Four Town definitely sets this film in a, a very specific time and place, where that type of you know boy band was was very very popular. Um, we're seeing similar phenomena nowadays with the like K-pop and J-pop, um, sort of the modern or the current day equivalent. Um, but back in 2002, you know, we had Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and whoever else. I I was never into that kind of music, you know, not not to brag it was or like anything. Like <laughs> 98 Degrees, the Hanson. Sure. But what I thought was 
thing is like not only that the other nods to the 90s like bucket hats tamagotchis butterfly clips all mm -hmm. these 90 things yeah in 2022 they are popular again yeah. so it was kind of funny to me because i was like oh bucket hats that's so 90s i'm like wait a minute like girls today wear bucket hats again and i was like tamagotchi that's so 90s but you can find tamagotchis at target like today so it's kind uh -huh. of funny that those those themes like you said like k-pop I mean, it's the new boy band. Like we have boy bands again. So mm -hmm. it's kind of really good timing to use the nineties. It just makes it also like that kind of era and style is coming back. So it just even makes it more relatable to the children of today plus their parents because their parents were, you know, bebopping around in this time period. And now their kids are re replicating this aesthetic i guess so mm -hmm. something that was running through my head the whole time and i feel like 90s kids could maybe appreciate it but like i feel like britney spears said it best when she's like i'm not a girl not yet a woman like that song <laughs> if you haven't heard it like that song should be the theme song of this movie because it's it's these like pains but these like pleasures like the ex the highs and the lows of this age they're really like unforgettable. And I just feel like the in between that she hits, especially for girls, you don't forget that. You don't forget how your inner self could kind of take over like the red panda could. <laughs> She's a panda in disguise. Uh, take a lesson from Shakira. <laughs> um, I like it. You know, this is lycanthropy only of the, uh, the red panda persuasion. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a cute design. This, uh, I didn't realize it was going to be so, you know, like female centric when I saw the first previews or the first imagery from this film. Um, I, you know, but yeah, like the four central characters, uh, the, this group of friends, uh, Maylin or Mylin, is it, I, I think I'm reading that it's pronounced Mylin. I, sad that I can't remember verbatim from <laughs> having just watched the movie, but, uh, Spelled M-E-I-L-I-N. Uh, and then her friends, uh, Miriam, uh, Priya, and, um, oh, Abby. <laughs> Abby, that's right. Um, they're all uh, sort of distinctly from their, you know, separate cultures, ethnicities. Priya's Indian, I'm guessing. Um, and uh, Abby's Korean. And then Miriam is Caucasian. Uh, set in Toronto, of course, you get some very specific Canadian references as well. Um, and that that uh, is helpful I, for at least Jody and I, we, we grew up in Minnesota. So I think for a lot of people, uh, they sort of conflate the two. <laughs> Canada is just sort of like a bigger uh, version <laughs> of Minnesota. They've got kind of like the Minnesota nice thing going on. They like to say sorry all the time. <laughs> Always, you know, just super polite and, you know, con congenial. Um, but, but anyways, the, um, the, did you, uh, either of you resonate with the, the Canadian-ness of this? We used to visit Canada growing up a little bit, and we have some friends from Canada. And I feel like I could, I could feel some of that rating off with, like, the little references. I can't think really off the top of my head now. I'm, like, drawing a blank. But I, I love that it was set there. I don't know of a lot of kids' movies that are set in Canada. So it was like a really good choice, a unique choice for a unique movie. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, um, I was, I was born in Washington state. So, you know, bordering Canada and yeah. then, um, something I, I noticed, well, I didn't really, I didn't really notice this before reading about it, but someone on my, uh, Facebook on my friends list had said like, you know, this movie is set in 2002, like, we didn't use this kind of lingo, right? Oh, okay. So it's someone from, but it's someone from the South. So, so you know, from oh. here. And then I was like, what? Like, I use this lingo growing up. So I'm wondering if like something to do with that, like North versus South kind of thing. Like they were like, how is this like 2002? Like, and they're using things like the bomb and I can't think of another, but I know like that was said. And yeah. I was like, what? Like you like you guys didn't say that. But so I'm wondering if things like that is more. Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't see anyone. North? I don't I don't know. I mean, AOL Instant Messenger, you really would have you would have had a lot of OMG going on. Uh, so and that was one example I, I heard of a potential anachronism. But um, I, I don't know if they these girls were ever depicted as using computers uh you know i i didn't notice uh, one of the girls had a calculator watch which was very 90s okay um there was the the I, my panda oh sorry my panda my choice i don't know if that phrase was, oh uh, yes i love they my body my choice was the reference there uh -huh. but it was refreshing and i mean one thing that stood out to me that i really liked and i'm sure you guys will agree with is it was sort of new to have the, you know, there's that familiar trope of like the restrictive mom and the rebellious teenager. It was cool to me that in this movie, it was a little bit more complex. Like she had a great relationship with her parents. She genuinely enjoyed spending time with them. She wanted to make them proud. It wasn't her just like saying, now's my time to be me. She was very wary of figuring out who she was, but also not letting that you know, take her away from her mom too much. And I thought that was a really good twist because there's other movies, um, Brave, for example, where there are rebellious spirits and it's very, you know, a sharp boundary away from their parents. And this was sort of like, even with the best heart and like the closest connection, you're gonna go through these changes. And I, I thought it was a refreshing look to have the family be super close um, and yet still have that rebelliousness within her. She, yeah, has fairly smothering parents, you could say. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. They, they, there's, yeah, sort of the, I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of movies nowadays kind of take after Frozen in the sort of um, emotional sort of repression that a character is is perhaps feeling, and uh, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a great, you know, subject. It's, it's rife for um you know exploitation no uh it's just great for exploration and always intriguing i mean that's kind of the i guess um the the mo mo of a lot of drama and storytelling the the internal conflict um that you know these characters the, the pathos that they they struggle with um so and and this very specific version is sort of an analog for uh, for puberty, and they uh, explicitly referred to it as that, 
uh, Domi, she, you know, uses that, that phrase. It's like a, you know, <laughs> a puberty panda that uh, she's, get, uh, you know, presenting in her film. However, she did say that the inspiration initially for uh, Turning Red was just to basically tell a story that revolved around a, uh, a red panda. Um, do you know, uh, there's another term uh, for red panda that's popular. Um, do you know, would you happen to know what it is? It, it sort of resembles um, so something you find on a computer as well as a certain web browser. Firefox? Yep. I was going to say, it's oh! very 90s as well. Yeah, I, I'm using Firefox right now. People still do that? It does. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I kind of heard that in the Embracing Panda segment that I watched on Disney Plus, how mm -hmm. she honestly like loved drawing red pandas. She thought they were cute. She thought they were cool. Like she was like, I would love to see a movie with a red panda. So it kind of had an innocent sort of start, but she definitely, I mean, now stands by that, that puberty monster or whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it, the puberty panda. And it was wild to me to see like the big backlash and panic online. Um, sometimes I think people don't like have enough to do, but I have enough time to read all the crazy reviews that people have been posting. Um, and it was just kind of like misogynistic to see like what some people would say when it comes to like, oh my God, there's a, there's a tampon on my TV in front of my four-year-old. I'm like, this is 2022. Are like tampons still taboo? Are, is a period still like a mystery to people? Because if that's the case, you better hope your kid doesn't have TikTok. You better hope your kid doesn't have access to the internet. Because at this point, like seeing that backlash, and I saw some people like review bombing places like um, Rotten Tomato, okay. um, um, where else? There was like the Facebook page, parents like going in and like just leaving one stars or like whatever, just to like, you know, say something about pu puberty. But it's like, yeah. I thought that was odd because I don't know, Philip, maybe as a, as a male, you have a different perspective, but as a female, like, mm -hmm. I feel like the more we know and the more we can be prepared for those moments, mm -hmm. the like, healthier and like happier that experience might be because it is pretty miserable it's magical but it's it's miserable well this yeah it does seem to have a surprisingly low imdb score which is 7.1 i think uh, it's going up though now because so. we're yeah. starting to like watch it almost as a way to retaliate against those initial naysayers i i feel like that controversy has actually brought more people into watching the movie itself. Well, it those see like that's what I saw most of was just all these, all these, and and I'm in I'm in mom groups and I'm in uh, Disney groups. So I saw I saw a lot of opinion about this, and so that it made me even we made me want to watch it even more because I was like, what are you guys <laughs> even really complaining about? Because this seems unfounded almost, and I think it's just like tr truly unfounded to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I another person on my Facebook was like, are people actually really complaining about this movie or is it just, you know, like one post getting traction? And I was like, I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, they are actually complaining. And I posted screenshots that I had seen like just on my timeline within 15 minutes of 
of seeing the status that a, a acquaintance had posted. And I was like, here's what I just found just scrolling through my feed because people, I mean, and I'm sure I could pull them up now, but it's not, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but it's just things like, I regret watching this with my sons and I, I can't believe Disney would put out a movie like this. And it's like a, a movie about a big red panda and a, and a girl starting her period like that. Like, can we like not normalize like things happening? Is that not allowed yeah. in 2022? Like, and it's like the panda isn't just the period, like it's also these giant emotions, which yep. everyone at different points of life, not just when you're 12 or 13, but throughout your life, you're, I deal with a red panda on a daily basis when it comes to my emotions and my fears and my excitement. And so if your child maybe is not ready for the topic of puberty, like that's fine, but it's still a great movie in the sense that it kind of teaches you to sort of embrace these big feelings, but also like control it, but not be scared of it. So I hope people can overall see the good in it. And I think most people do, at least in my circle of friends. Um, but but yeah, it is it is interesting to watch the panic take over, you know, the mommy groups and the little it's like weird. Disney group. Mm-hmm. It's weird to me because... But then that to me, I was, and I was talking to Sharon about this because I, I talked to her about this and then that, that's who I'd watched it with. I watched it with Sharon and her two daughters. That's my neighbor. Uh, we do Sunday dinner every night. So mm-hmm. that we watch a movie and that was our Sunday movie. And I, I talked to Sharon before we had watched it and I was like, yeah, you know, I've seen like some things about it. And then she was telling me like someone that on her Facebook was saying she'll never let her kids watch it because they're. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast. You can edit it out because they're like children of God. And like, this is not a child of God movie or something. I don't know. Um, well, ch- children of God is a religious sect of Christianity that, that celebrates sex and sexual well, revolution. Well, she was <laughs> going to let her children, not Sharon, but her friend, she was not going to let her children watch it because her, her Facebook friend said her kids are children of God and they do not need to see this. And I said, see what, a cartoon? She, she probably wasn't I, referring to the literal subgroup of children of God. No. <laughs> I don't know. I am ignorant in that, but I watched it. I watched it with them and I was like, wait, like this is cute. And, and, and Peyton, she's uh, four and, and Maya is nine. And um, it is their new favorite. It has surpassed Encanto. Uh, for them, which is huge. Um. (laughs) I was just thinking the only thing with a parent that maybe like would raise my eyebrows a little bit is like, obviously she showcases defiance and independence and a lot of like things that might be worrisome for parents. But like I said, when we started this recording, like to me, that is a stepping stone to talk to your kids about it. Like, hey, if you really want to go to a concert with your four best friends and you want to run away and go without me, here's maybe an alternative or something like that. Like these movies just really give us the opportunity to dig really deep into things. Mm-hmm. And so the things that stood out to me where I was like, yikes, like that's a bit much. I would hope as a parent, I would use those as like a chance to talk to my kid because no kid is going to be perfect and no parent is going to be perfect. And it's um, not even, it doesn't even need to be like a talking point unless your kid asks questions while watching the movie. And I feel like most kids aren't questioning 
a lot of what's happening in the movie as like, what's this about? You know what I mean? Like kids aren't really going to like, they're going to watch the movie and be like, oh, cute panda cute movie i'm a four townie you know so they're their kids are watching movie and seeing that whereas like us as like quote unquote grown-ups i'm not gonna really put myself in that category but i think i have to uh in this sense um we're watching it and we're like uh, clutching our pearls but like also at the same time like wait like this is real this is real to us and it's endearing and it's sweet and it's also scary for us to see it in a movie because we're not used to that whereas kids watching it if they ask a question it is a great it's a great time for a parent to explain something yeah i i don't want to dwell on this specific topic uh that i'm about to mention but i just think it's ironic that you know the the fervor is is being brought up by mainly moms and women uh, and uh like you said jody it this is a complaint that comes from a place of misogyny and yet it's being pushed mainly by women so i, I find that ironic am i off base or uh do, do oh you no that? like i we're agreeing 100 percent. that's why we're saying nothing is because like you nailed it yeah yeah, yeah. No, women need to uh, fight back <laughs> shall we no I, I i'm the last person to tell women what they should do <laughs> no, tell, <laughs> but, us, tell us what we can do <laughs> but uh yeah but, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly like this conversation and who's having it and why it, it's kind of eyebrow raising. Yeah. But yeah, mostly I want to comment on just the way that sort of traditions are able to be shared more broadly amongst cultures through these films. Um, you know, not, not to get into, you know, delve too much more into like the, the gender politics of it, but more just sort of um, exposing some of these issues. I, I mean, I feel like, movies uh in have, have sort of softened in some ways as they're trying to appeal to a broader audience um I, I, it was refreshing to see this one catering to a um, potentially more adult audience through its theme but also you know being very you know relevant to adolescents and kids um and, and i i just love that when i can see you know when when adults can appreciate these um, animated films that are more or less aimed at kids because they're they're aimed at families uh, but uh, and Disney's always been good at, at designing films without the explicit intention of oh we need to make this for kids no these artists are, are crafting these stories mainly for themselves uh, and and you know that the author if the author is a fan of his or her own work then uh, it's more likely that there will be, you know, fans to appreciate it. Um, right. And when I was watching Embrace Panda, that additional um, footage about the director and some of the animators and the lighting technicians for the movie, mm -hmm. a lot of them from the course of making this movie over five or six years became parents, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere within that process. Mm -hmm. And that made them connect even deeper into this movie because it was sort of an outlet for them of like, how would I want this addressed? How would I, you know, want to see things this way or that? So you could tell there was a real level of genuine connection for the adults, the workers, what they poured into mm -hmm. the film. And the fact that lots of people online are having conversations about the content means they nailed it because 
they got parents talking and they got us talking and mm-hmm. and that's really what you want out of any story is some sort of connection and some sort of conversation mm-hmm. good or bad good or bad no seriously yeah all pub- all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> there you go no such thing as bad press <laughs> there you go uh, yeah exactly no. i i i i um I didn't watch. I didn't watch that thing you sent. I meant to. I meant to watch it um, after I rewatched Turning Red. I meant to watch like the behind the scenes thing. Yeah. Um, I did. Unfortunately, didn't get around to it's it right. today. I did. Um, I before even before watching the movie, I had like read stuff about it and seen stuff about it, and um moving into like the animation of it i read that she the director pulled or whoever made the movie pulled a lot of inspiration from things like um sailor moon and like fruit baskets and like other animes um and which i i when i was watching that i saw a difference in this versus um previous pixar things it was it was more modern, but at the same time, like almost a little nostalgic in the artwork being like, oh, like, look at these cute, like, big eyes. Like, you know, it was I I thought the animation in this movie was phenomenal. I think it's some of the best work I've ever seen by Pixar as of lately. Yeah, the director actually had her parents bring out some of her old sketchbooks where she would draw like Pokemon and anime manga type characters and you can definitely see the influence coming through with her vision of this movie like you reference the eyes or like when they're showing emotion when they're angry and those little Mm -hmm. teardrops but also whenever there's like an action scene so for those who have watched it I'm assuming everyone listening has watched it at this point but like when the mom and the daughter are fighting in their panda um form that really felt like like a Pokemon battle scene or or something like from Spirited Away. And Mm -hmm. I found that, I already used the word refreshing, but again, like that was a really refreshing thing to see in a Pixar movie. I mean, in comparison to like Toy Story Finding Nemo, it it really stood out. And I, I liked it because I think you're right. I think those things are starting to become like quote unquote cool again. Like I feel like there was a time where anime and manga were seen as sort of like alternative, like weird, nerdy, but now, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just the people I surround myself with, but it's mainstream, it's mm-hmm. cool, and stuff like this normalizes it even more, and maybe if people are like, oh, I liked how they did the big crying eyes, and now I'm gonna watch uh, uh, Howl's movie. Naruto or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, like, explore those things. I yeah. think that animation was very fun and very it captured my attention and for animated films i sometimes i'm like you i can kind of zone in and out but for this i really was watching the screen yeah i thought the animation was really good like some of the like close-up scenes i i felt like were extremely detailed and i don't remember exactly what part it was um but i remember they kind of got you know it was it was a focus on when she was in her red panda form and i was like this fur looks like fur like this the looks fur was amazing the like, fur- i was just so stunned and that's like 
really things that get me lately with movies is like how good the animation is because even if I'm not a hundred percent in love with the movie I can still have an appreciation for the artwork that's been put into it but this one I was just really really impressed and really blown away like they really put their whole heart into this movie I feel like 110 percent like the animation the storyline the music like I thought it was all very 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 good Uh, that's where like I kind of disagree. I don't know if it's just how my brain processes sound, but to me, the first time I started playing it, I was sort of working at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, this movie is really noisy. Like, it's just like, it's a loud movie. So I had to restart it, put my computer away and kind of pay attention because it was starting to get to be like overwhelming with her like rapping and the beatboxing and the singing and the the loudness of it all. But in retrospect, I mean, when you're... 13 your brain is loud everything's fireworks so it's probably meant to just I mean that's the moment but I did really crave for those emotional moments for them to extend it like a little bit more those are the things I live for like in the movie soul um you know they kind of like they uh inside out they kind of pull those moments out a little longer and in this movie I feel like that was like the one critique I had is like chill out for like a little little bit more when it comes to like the sensitive moments because like for me I was sort of like ah like you guys are no. so noisy but if you like it I mean that just shows that like I disagree like- I'm so glad they cut those sensitive moments short because I was already crying and it was embarrassing because I'm just sitting there with like other grown-ups and then two kids who just think it's just a freaking movie and then all these other grown-ups are sitting there and it's just honestly me and Sharon just freaking boohooing when like the panda is like looking back after the mirror like oh you know and she's like trying to do the the thing I don't you know what I'm talking about anyways I was like I, I'm sobbing and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm glad they didn't draw that crap out because I was I was really in my feelings about that I liked I thought the music was good it was loud but I like the mixture of like familiar songs that we already knew like I'm pretty sure like Bootylicious was in there somewhere yeah yeah <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of like little songs that felt familiar to me but then I started like do I know this song so they must have drawn from some of our there was familiar songs in there, but then also like drawing the inspiration from those songs to create new songs mm-hmm. were not necessarily, is it a, a musical, a sing-along movie, but the few songs that were created for the movie are insanely catchy. And um, I, I'm waiting for my whole album. And I don't know, you guys probably do know this, but Billie Eilish helped with the original. Are you serious? Billie Eilish helped with the original music for this movie. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. I think it's really cool when budding, well, she's not a budding star. Um, She's like a superstar. When superstars like play a little part in these things, like when Justin Timberlake was part of Trolls, Anna Kendrick is part of Charles Lin-Manuel Miranda. Obviously he's everything musical, but it's cool when you see those big names. I hadn't heard anything about Billie Eilish, but they want to get their fingers into the Disney Pixar pot because I mean, look at the rock, I, like the rock. He's a Disney guy now. Um, and maybe has been for a while, but Philip, what did you think about the overall, like 
sound of the movie did it did it fit for you was it was it noisy for you uh i mean compared to like a similar movie that has uh a similar conceit or premise the uh, mitchells versus the machines jody didn't you see that one or, or maybe not that'd be a dawson um, one probably yeah yeah dawson and jillian were on that episode and um the the main character in that film does her own sort of narration she's she's um like a filmmaker does a lot of media stuff and and a lot of that movie is intercut with like little sketches that she does um that movie has more of a like spider-man into the spider-verse uh design where the there's a lot of uh 2d illustrations involved this was more strict you know traditionally 3d cgi animation um so so sometimes i think when when you have all the this detail that this style of animation tends to include yeah that can get you know noisy and busy um just because it, it's so you know in in grossing um and like the fur it looks so real and and the hair and the skin you know they'll often include like you know features like pores and, and moles and sort of blemishes on the skin um and and yeah I, I think maybe all that realism can be a lot to take in it's a um, lot of details like even the braces like there's just so many things yeah. that stand out like you're right and that sometimes with really good animation or like really creative animation but I, I, a lot, just a lot yeah. to soak in but you you don't mind it like for you it's not a distraction i i like the design i don't know as far as like uh logical progression of the and not to say that it's a superior uh medium but you know the miyazaki you know 2d animation but brought to 3d is is sort of what i feel they're going for with this film and also luca um luca had a distinctly miyazaki studio ghibli vibe as I well thought, sorry i'm interrupting a lot tonight no 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 I did see quite a few people make some comparisons when it came to Luca, um, which we've spoken about um, and I really liked, but just how that is sort of like a sort of like a boy story of like coming to age or like finding his own path, you know, and how that this is like the flip, which is like the girl version. And like some people are questioning, not to go back to what we were talking about before, but questioning why, um, Turning Red got such pushback when Luca, which is a similar theme, didn't get that that same type of backlash, which was an interesting point to me. But I think you're right. On top of that, on top of theming, you do see a similar animation vibe or a, a not mm -hmm. cultural vibe. What would you even call it? But like this aesthetic or the... aesthetic, yeah, um, yeah. See, that makes sense because I didn't much care for Luca as much as I thought I would and I I've talked about that but um I I that one thing I did really super love about it was the animation and that was another thing I really liked about this story and and now that you bring up like the similarities in the them thematics is that even a word um the theming yep. um mm -hmm. I that makes sense like why I kind of 
like this one a whole lot where I didn't really care for Luca because like maybe I just really felt more connected to this as like somebody who was um, a 13 year old girl at one point in time um whereas watching Luca I couldn't really connect with it but I enjoyed like looking at it whereas this one I enjoyed looking at it and I could see myself almost in every single one of the girls in this movie, you know? Uh-huh. I heard someone make the silliest, like, status about it, though, because some people are complaining, like, oh, this movie's, like, just for preteen girls. Like, it's a very exclusive type movie. Like, it's not going to relate to, every, you know, to a lot of people. And someone's comment was, like, wait, so you can relate to a rat who's trying to own a restaurant and become a chef from Ratatouille? Because, <laughs> like, I mean... If you can only relate to characters that are your gender, your species, your hair color, like, are you going to, like, skip out on Ratatouille and, like, SpongeBob SquarePants or whatever? So the online content that has come from this movie has been very entertaining for me. I almost hope they keep making controversial stuff because, like, I'm bored. I love reading it. No, I I screenshot it all. Like, I've been sending it and, like, talking crap when I see it to, like, you know, my little circle, but like, I'll start sending it to you guys. The, uh, I I won't make any sort of list of, you know, connections to other films and like a list of Easter eggs that'll cause people's eyes to glaze over. But one connection to Ratatouille, I really appreciated. And it might've been, um, purely incidental, but when, um, my Lin's mom Ming is you know walks in on her in the bedroom and um, her, her uh, sketchbook is on, <laughs> sticking under the bed. Um, <laughs> she's trying to you know hold her gaze, but for oh, one okay. one frame, yeah, her pupils drop down <laughs> to look at the notebook, and that's enough for the mom to catch on to something you know going on, and that uh, you know is reminiscent of another scene in. Ratatouille when um, uh, Linguini is trying to explain to uh, the, the the chick um, uh, what was her name Matt eh, I can't remember but uh, he, he he's wanting to reveal his secret that he has a little tiny and as he's hesitating oh, yeah. her eyes dart down to his midsection and back up for like a single frame and it's just it's a hilarious a piece of adult humor and you know this g-rated film uh so i did want to say something we don't have to talk about this like it's not going to matter to anybody except for me um <clears throat> if i remember correctly the voice actress for the mother um is voiced by sandra O, who plays christina yang on Grey's anatomy fun fact for ya that's my favorite show and so i was really happy when i learned that that's not gonna matter to anybody and that doesn't require any dissecting i just wanted to point that out well one fun thing that goes along with that is the voice for the main character was like actually a young girl like usually it's an adult like voicing children I mean like the Rugrats they were adults you know so the voice acting was really really good what were you saying Philip uh oh I thought Sandra oh would make a good Ursula like if if they had to recast Ursula uh (laughs) it it just reminded the ending you know reminded me of uh you know the scene when she was a big panda <laughs> i was like whoa was like okay i was, sh- I was shocked because they you know they're like yeah like she was big she was scary but like no she 
was big. She, she had some big, big, big feelings. She had big, big feelings. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've been making jokes about that for the past few days. Like, you're going to bring my big panda out. Like, I feel like my panda would be huge, to be honest. Like, I have big feelings, so I can relate. And I thought that wasn't the only, like, kind of scary thing the thing that I think would have scared me as a kid I was really scared of like people being possessed so if you've seen the movie they know that they try to kind of when the moon is when it's the red moon they're going to try to get the red panda out of her and, and trap it in an amulet um but they're all chanting and she's floating and it's dark and there's red everywhere I think that would have really kind of creeped me out as a child but then I remind myself like I watched Hunchback of Notre Dame where they sang about like hellfire Mm. so maybe I would have been fine but didn't you think that part was like a little eerie I thought that part was cool as heck oh (laughs) I thought it was cool like that whole like everything in that movie that had to do like that dealt with like the ceremony or like going into like that world like all of that was like my favorite part like I did love when they went into that I don't even know what you'd call that Philip but that Mm. alternative space where she was able to kind of reconcile herself Mm. but a spirit world or a basically yeah world I loved all of that like I loved oh I thought it was I, I, I liked that whole part and I don't know I didn't I didn't find it freaky but I do see like how it could be and that could be like another like controversial reason why some people aren't vibing with it is because they find it demonic maybe <laughs> I don't know you don't for lack of better word I guess I didn't I didn't think of it that way but I would I would see why some people might think that if they yeah feelings I I don't know I think we're seeing an age where people with um more closed off views are are becoming a bit more and more like emboldened to express those views online more so than maybe five 10 years ago don't you think just with the rise of the divisiveness that you find on social media especially now um you i think there's more uh, you know fractionalism that you see among these various camps and they've always existed and and like the whole um you know satanic panic you know pearl clutchy tendency was something that was really you know prominent in the 80s and 90s before you know, internet and, and it was easier to shelter kids. Um, and once I think people became more um, ecumenical through the rise of cable TV and, and the internet, uh, there was, I think, a general softening. And I, I was sort of sensing that. And you had things like Frozen that really, you know, pushed for embrace of just like personal, um, you know, care and and uh you know lack of shame um but then i feel like there has been a bit of a a pushback uh for that towards that sensibility from from certain people who just feel like oh i'm i'm this you know edgelord you know (laughs) you know person on the internet and i'm just going to express my view and not care 
like they're go- they're shameless about their closed mindedness uh, more so nowadays. And I, it's you know, easier to be outspoken these days. Also, I or, guess like it's social media's come a long way. Yeah, we all have like a platform now where we have the opportunity or like the blessing or the curse of like sharing our opinion. And what's really interesting mm-hmm. about this conversation is it's kind of becoming a conversation about the conversations that have stemmed from the movie, which is sort of a first for us, mm-hmm. I think. Um, just like kind of gauging all the different reactions that came in. And and Philip and I grew up in a similar uh, town with a similar mindset, which was fairly close. Not I don't want to say yeah. close-minded because there's pros yeah. and cons with it, but it was a more of a conservative you know, place. And so I feel like we both can really relate to that upbringing of assuming our parents know everything and our parents are perfect and our parents are going to protect us and our community is there to, you know, uphold us and keep us on the straight and narrow. And now we're both, you know, hitting 30 and we're kind of like experiencing more of the world. And I think like why that movie touched me a lot too, was just the conversations you surround yourself with can define you as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like whether it's on social media or or in your town growing up or your family. Yeah. Well, to loosely quote Taylor Swift, Yay. I ain't messing I ain't messing with your self-expression, but trust me, obsessing over somebody else, you know, however that line goes in, in that one song, uh, is no fun, you know. And it's it's yeah, like people who are overly critical think oh well this is just my self-expression and don't judge me for being judgy Mm -hmm. but uh no that's that's just creating a feedback loop it's best to just not judge to begin with if you can avoid it (laughs) exactly exactly um and yeah we see a lot of that yeah well where where i am you know there's a lot that people aren't really exposed to if they don't want to be so they can really you know just take a uh, you know, the, the strong stance on things that they really don't have a lot of knowledge or experience with. Um, whatever. I hopefully, I, I don't know, but who knows where things will go. I, I, I'm, um, encouraged by movies like this that seem to, you know, try to get more things sort of past the radar and engage in, in a broader conversation. Cause that's really what I love most from, from my stories and my media, just the ability to generate insightful, productive conversations among people who might not otherwise think to, to have these conversations. Absolutely. I think we all agree on that. We kind of came in feeling like that, conversed it and come out feeling like that. I think, I think Disney and children's movies and media these days is moving a little bit forward than it would you know than it was when we were consuming it um I think it's getting you know we we are the generation now raising a new generation and so the you know film industry is is adjusting for that yeah collective of us Mm -hmm. yeah they are that you know they're like we're moving forward like times are a changing so you know there's a little bit more flexibility there's a little bit more freedom on what we can you know put out versus like back you know back when you know we were watching movies when they were made for us or even prior to that time and those movies are getting like 
band now, you know? So it's, it's just like, we're moving forward. We're, we're getting, you know, bigger, bigger ideas, bigger feelings, inner red pandas coming out into our, um, the media that we're consuming these days. And I think, I think it's great. Like, let's keep bringing new ideas. I'm tired of seeing the same regurgitated ideas over and over. So yeah, Yeah, this is really setting us up perfectly for when we decide to finally record Encanto, because there's a lot in there about family turmoil and just like thoughts that are kind of like not revolutionary, but like maybe haven't been on screen before. So it's fun to see it in the industry mirroring. Well, it could be the chicken or the egg. Either we're mirroring the, the, the media or they're mirroring us, but, but it is interesting to watch and, and it's exciting. None of us have kids yet, but I think it's, it's cool to see where things are headed. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, this movie is telling you to all of a sudden go and, uh, you know, convert to, you know, ancestral worship or anything like that. It's, you know, everyone, these are, these are all, you know, things that it's just fun to learn about. Uh, although, yeah, in this world of, uh, the, I guess, the, the spirits being a very real, tangible thing, and, and now Mylene uh, can morph on command, uh, they're probably seeing a, a huge spike in converts or uh, at least uh, <laughs> acolytes. Uh, they're, they're trying to raise money to rebuild the Sky Dome. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, they needed like a million dollars. It started at 10,000. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's an expensive Sky Dome. Yeah. No, it's a lot of po- positive themes. I mean, sure, there are those articles. I'm looking at one right now of like how turning red exposes your child to Buddhism. Uh, it's from a, you know, a sort of a right wing watchdog type you know, website. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's like, OK, fine. I guess we we have room for that out in the, you know, the marketplace of ideas as well. We have freedom of speech. So, yes, go ahead and lambast away at you know, these other cultures being exposed to your your kids. But it's, you know, the positives greatly. I mean, I, I only ever see the positives as really outshining the negatives when when the intentions are good. And, um, you know, a lot of these values are things that, you know, I grew up with, you know, within the church very much so with like honor your father and mother. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, and sometimes it's just, uh, you, you meet similar dilemmas where, uh, you, you aren't told the, that, you know, it's also important to honor yourself and, uh, and sometimes you feel neglected as a result. Oh, that just, that sums up perfectly. I pulled a quote, but I closed my laptop, but she said, how can I follow being who I am without getting farther away from you? like to her mom. And I had like kind of little chills because it is kind of like a question you have to ask yourself as you grow um, and find yourself. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we'll start wrapping things up here. Uh, Any final thoughts, Alex? Otherwise, uh, feel free to to share any uh, means by which the audience may, may find you online if you wish to do so. Oh, um, my final thoughts are, I really like this movie. And 
you can not find me on the internet. That's totally cool. <laughs> and you can find me on the internet. Uh, lately, I've been a TikTok person. So it's Jody, J-O-D-I, Pulaski, P-O-L-A-S-K-Y, 47. And um, I think as we stream here, I'm going to continue to stream there. It's kind of cool to get other people's opinions popping up as we talk. Um, and so for everyone listening tonight, like, thanks for joining us. And I'm super excited to join you guys again for Encanto. Super fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're like a red panda, aka fire fox, then that means you're a rather solitary, antisocial creature. And I, I totally relate to that. Uh, they, they do explain in that, uh, the documentary that um, yeah, these, these creatures are kind of like the the teenage uh sort of uh you know they they like to snack on things for example that aren't healthy they they'll eat bamboo even though it doesn't nourish them properly it's, it's like their version of potato chips um but um yeah it's a, a very very uh fun way to express these themes and ideas um that that are you know shared by many youths, um, mainly, you know, especially young girls. And uh, even if that's not who you are, you will still find a lot to love from this film. I don't know, it kind of has like a John Hughes feel to this movie. I thought, um, you know, the, he's the, the creator of films like uh, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that that kind of, uh, and and sort of similarly edgy to like like those films, though not nearly as, you know, and, and those movies have some problematic things. Maybe this movie will be seen as somewhat problematic in a few years uh, as well. I mean, you, you never know what we'll look back on in 10, 20 years and, uh, you know, sort of scratch our heads at. Um, but I, you know, overall it was, it was a great uh, outing from Pixar uh, as far as this entertainment value. So check out Turning Red on Disney Plus. Cheaper than having to spend, you know, 40 bucks on uh, an entire family outing to the movie theaters. Although... I would have done it though. I would <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Alex and Jody, for joining on this episode of the Thodcast. You can find us thodcast.com at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio. Uh, find me, Philip Elke, at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. And um, you all listening, uh, have a magical day. Have a wonderful week. Uh, warm hugs. I have a rash. You have a rush? No, no, no. I have this, this tiny, uh, a little, little, a tiny chef who tells me what to do.